and welcome to another Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Howdy, y'all. And Jeremy Gregory. <laughs> hey, guys. I should have come up with a much more clever Western intro, but I did not, uh, because this week we're going to look at Wild Guns for the Super Nintendo, uh, more or less because I figured since our last show, all of us have done nothing but play Red Dead Redemption 2. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. No, you would be You would be correct on this occasion. In, in fact, probably I'm the only one who has not played that much Red Dead Redemption 2, despite buying it the day it came out. Uh, taking that two-hour install, which is always a treat, uh, getting it set up. And I, I've probably played for about five or six hours. I mean, I like it a lot. I just haven't had a lot of time uh, mm-hmm. because this week was it was actually the last couple weeks have been pretty busy work-wise. Uh, of course, I had plenty of monsters to hunt. Uh, and then I got sidetracked uh, from playing Red Dead Redemption 2 because I went back to Hollow Knight. I'm very close to the end. I've realized mm-hmm. I'm, at, like, I'm at the end of at least five or six different games that I should just plow through and finish in, in a long weekend, but I just mm-hmm. keep hopping back and forth between games between Hollow Knight, uh, Mega Man 11, and, uh, and of course, I'm trying to platinum Monster Hunter like an idiot. There's a lot of things I should be doing, uh, but instead, I have not been playing Red Dead Redemption. However, I will say what I have played is a lot of dominoes, and that's pretty great, but Billy, what do you think <laughs> of Red Dead Redemption 2? You know, I mean, I've just been playing the hell out of this thing. Uh, I'm still doing my uh, my out of town job, so you know, when I get off at at three thirty, I really don't have a lot to do. Uh, there's nothing to do in this town, so I mean, I just come home and I have been putting a, a pretty solid amount of time into it. Uh, I've got to be at least a good fifteen or so hours in right now, um, but yeah, I've just it's such an incredible game. Um, I can't say enough good things. I had high hopes, and even with those, I think they were exceeded. Um, you know, it's it's that level of amazement that I had when I first started playing GTA Five. Except, I mean, it's even it's somehow even better than that. Um, and I know there are, uh, and you know, it's a good game when the main complaints out there are that it's too realistic. I mean, yeah, it's a slow-paced game. It's a slow-moving game. This isn't going to be the game uh, you put on, you know, while you're you're waiting ten minutes, you know, till it's time to leave the house. Um, this isn't going to be the game you play. You know, just you want to get five minutes in all of a sudden right before bed. I mean, you sit down and you play this, and you got to expect to put some time into it. And it's just it's fantastic game and, and it's it's rare that i say one of the greatest joys of the game is just aimlessly wandering around just you know getting and taking these long 15 minute walks or horseback rides and i mean that's how you encounter the crazy shit in this game this thing is full of just these bizarre random encounters out there and just these wild situations you can get yourself into that you would miss if you know, people had their way and it was just a let's fast travel from here to here type thing. I mean, this game is just I think it's one you really just have to sit down, put the time into and appreciate. And I'm just I, I love it. I am going to be playing it as soon. I'm itching right now uh, to play it again. As soon as we got off here, I'm, I'm hopping back on. That's basically my my experience with it. I, I It is definitely a very slow game. And like you said, it, this is something you you have to sit down and, and expect that you're going to put in an hour or two or more mm-hmm. just to do some very basic stuff. Hell, you might not even do anything to progress yeah. the game. Uh, you just might run into some stuff. You want to go hunting. You want to go fishing. 
all of that stuff is done really well in that game. There's a few things that that's that do kind of bug me that I, I wish they would have done a little bit better. The inventory system in that game mm, is yeah. is really something. I mean, you've got you've got multiple inventories, like where you pull up the, the one inventory, a wheel inventory with your L bumper, um, and Sometimes you have to be close to your horse to get other things off of that menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also like two or three different menus embedded into that wheel menu that you have to scroll through uh, to find. And then you've also got another inventory that you get by pressing uh, right on the D-pad. And that brings up a, an actual inventory of everything that you have that's that's not guns and, and horse stuff. So there's there's a whole lot to to kind of keep track of in in that stuff and and there are definitely times where I was trying to find something that I picked up that I thought was in one inventory but it was in another inventory or my horse wasn't around and I didn't have him to go through his inventory so I just had to deal with what I had because he was way too fucking far away to go back to and that's just kind of how that game is like it there are certain times where it just wants it to play wants you to play it the way it wants to mm-hmm. be played and it, it sets some some hard rules there for you. There was I was telling you early <laughs> earlier that I, there was one time I was just out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, to lock onto things to talk to them, you have to press the L two button or the L two trigger, and that will bring up a menu where you can press X to talk to them or, or do whatever. And I, for whatever reason, I was sitting right next to my horse, and I wanted to bring up my the other horse menu. There's another horse menu where you can actually feed it, pet it, and stuff like that. If you press the L two trigger. I just got right up to it, accidentally pressed the R2 trigger, shot it, <laughs> shot that fucker right in the head with a pistol, and it just, it died. You know, the, it, when it dies, your horse dies. You do get, I, I believe, like a horse revive or something at some point, but I didn't have it. And uh, so I was just out in the middle of nowhere with a dead horse, that, and I just had to walk for probably a good, like, 30 minutes to get somewhere. <laughs> and I couldn't, there's nothing you can really do. Uh, and, but it was great. I mean, even just doing that for 30 minutes, I mean, I came across like three or four different ra- random people that, that needed help or something like that. And it was stuff that I would have never seen if I was actually just riding on my horse somewhere else where I meant to go. So it, it it's really it does stuff like that as far as like finding things out in that world uh, that are just fun and exciting to kind of mess around with and just some really interesting characters out there. That's that's just fun to bump into that you you might not even you'd never see if you're trying to hurry through the game. So it's it's definitely one of those games where I'm just you need to take it slow, and you'll get more out of it. I understand why people don't. You know they want something that's fast paced. We've been conditioned to have these much more convenient open world games like a Far Cry game, but this one is is definitely uh, it's it's going to make you take your time. Yeah, the lack of fast travel, at least as far as I've gotten, is jarring. I mean, it's great. I remember that's what I liked about the first Red Dead Redemption a lot. And uh, and this is still the same. I, I see what you guys are saying. There's lots of things to find as you wander. And also, it's it's just kind of part of the... the I like a slower-paced Western game. It kind of makes it so when it is faster, it seems a lot more intense, I guess. Uh, but, but I'm still really enjoying it. I think the fact that it is so slow is why I've only put so few hours into it, because I don't have a lot of long periods where I'm able to sit here and play. I will have a lot of that coming up uh, as we get into Thanksgiving, but for now, at least I've gotten to try it, and I do enjoy it. However, uh, thankfully this week, we've picked a much faster-paced Western game. Uh, Probably the fastest-paced Western game we're going to (laughs) cover on this podcast, Wild Guns for the Super Nintendo. (laughs) 
I had never played Wild Guns before. It's one of those games that I think it came out in the virtual console and they've actually done some kind of HD remaster. Uh, people that like it like it a lot, and I had never tried it. Did either of you guys play this before? I hadn't. I, um, I got this when uh, we were originally talking about it. I got it mixed up with Sunset Riders, um, which, which I love that one. Uh, but Wild Guns, no. I had not played this one before. I don't remember encountering this one, like in a video store or anything like that. I, I was the only one that I think actually played this back in the day and uh, my video store actually got it. And I wasn't a very big fan of Westerns or anything like that, but this one, it, it you look at the box and yes, it does look very Western, mm -hmm. uh, but then you flip it over and it's got robots in it. It's got giant robots in it. And I was like, well, that's weird that I don't, I'm, you know, I'm, I've watched a few Westerns. I never saw any giant robots in them. So I'm pretty sure that maybe this isn't trying to be historically accurate. But uh, it, it caught my, it got my attention enough, enough that I, I rented it and I took it home and I played the hell out of that game. Me and my cousin, it's a two player co-op game. We, we played that game multiple times. That was one of those games that it was, if there was nothing else in the video store, we would grab that. And it, it's served its purpose several times over. This would have been one of the perfect two player games for my brother and I to play. I mean, we did a lot of Contra and Jackal and games like that. This would have been right in there. I mean, it's mm. it's fast. Uh, it's fairly short. I mean, you can get through this game in under half an hour if you knew what you were doing. And it has two player co-op that, you know, thankfully doesn't involve shooting the other player to uh, to make it harder. <laughs> for yourself. So I I do like this kind of two player co-op. Uh, also, I don't know how I since I hadn't played it two players, if it's too much chaos or not, because it seems like even one player got a little bit hectic. Mm. But uh, mm. I guess if you can't influence each other in any way, you know, like bounce off each other jumping or something, it's probably a little bit easier with two players. Yeah. It's easier to keep, uh, you know, it definitely can get chaotic because like you said, it can get very chaotic even with just one player. And if you got another one kind of jumping around and, and dodging thing and shooting, yes, but it's, it's not as bad as you would think, especially like once, once you played things a couple of times and you know, what's coming, uh, you, you can kind of both, you know, cordon off your, your section of the screen and be like, all right, I'll take this side and you take that side, things like mm -hmm. that. Things like a good co-op game should be able to do. So before we get too much into the specifics of the gameplay, uh, Wild Guns itself came out in 1994 in Japan and 95 in the U.S., uh, 96 in Europe uh, for the Super Nintendo. I know we have at least two European listeners, so I thought I'd throw that out there for them. Mm. Um, it, after playing this, especially knowing how short it is and that it is kind of like a, a, a sort of a gun shooter in some ways, I, was, I expected to find out this was an arcade port, uh, and it's not at all. It, it's it even you know has set up so it's it doesn't say insert coin but other than that it pretty much feels like a straight up arcade port. Yeah, I, I found that very surprising because this uh, it just doesn't seem like the kind of kind of game that would be made you know exclusively for for home consoles. Now this has a has a kind of a frantic arcade quality to it. Yeah, it's it definitely feels like an arcade game, and. It almost seems like that's what they wanted to make in the first place, but someone was like, eh, arcade games aren't making the kind of money they used to throw this thing on the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it feels like. As it, if you put an insert coin thing at the top of the screen, this would feel right at home. I mean, it, it is just that kind of game. Mm -hmm. The reason it feels so much like an arcade game to me is that it the it's basically two kind of games mashed together, sort of. So at first it feels kind of like it's going to be a a gun shooter like a Operation Wolf or something because you have a reticle on screen now you have to move the reticle around with the controller uh, at some ways but 
but it still feels like you know you're shooting. You see guys run on the side of the screen. You shoot them with your gun. They fall oh. over, and more things come on the screen. I mean, it feels very much like an arcade shooter, except you've got your character in the foreground running back and forth. You can you know you you have to actually still move him around to dodge shots. Uh, in some in some stages, you actually scroll left and right on the screen, so there's things you can only see if you run over to one side or the other. Uh, and so it makes it a lot more interesting. At first, I want to say very confusing. Again, without playing this before. It took me the first kind of plays to really get used to the controls uh, because of the the sheer number of things you have to do to really pay attention to it. Not only are you firing at everything on screen, uh, you know, to make sure you take it out fast, but while you're there, you can see that guys are walking into the foreground where you are, and you have to make sure you either jump over them or uh, use one of your close attacks, which is also kind of hard. Uh, the controls itself... Again, it's only three buttons. The Super Nintendo controller has mm -hmm. six usable buttons, if you don't count select and start. <laughs> and there's things you could easily have done with these other buttons, but instead, like your attack button has several different functions, as as does the jump button. It, it made it so... It that, that was one more reason I really thought this had to have been an arcade game, because I've only got three buttons here, and I should have had a lot more. I got, I'm going to have to tell you, I got a little scared once I noticed this game had a, a, a cursor need to be moved around because we have we've discussed in past episodes um, kind of our thoughts on console games and and moving you know moving cursors around on the screen or, or aiming on the screen via moving moving something around um, so I was initially uh, as I was watching that attract screen <laughs> was a bit concerned. Um, I thought that this was just going to be another one of those. It was a stiff, uh, a little hard to, to move around, to, especially with a game that, that requires you to, to be precise and to be quick with it also. Um, I think if the controls would have been up to the standard I thought they were going to be, it was going to ruin the game. But I do have to say, uh, yeah, the buttons, it, do, it does not take full advantage of the number of buttons available to you. But moving that, that reticle around was actually pretty damn smooth on here. I'm, I'm My hat's off to them. Uh, I, I didn't feel like at any point in time I was really struggling to, to aim at anything. I, I didn't feel like it was, was too slow. I also didn't feel like it was just you know jerking back and forth all over the screen. Uh, just It has to be said that uh, I was very impressed, at least with that aspect of the controls. Yeah, it's it's trying to do a, a little bit more than your basic kind of arcade game. Uh, if you ever played GI Joe, it the arcade game, it's kind of like that. But instead of scrolling through the stage, you you just kind of move left and right, mm. and it does that really well. It's super easy to play, but like you said, it it tries to do a little bit too much with just putting things on one button. Because, you know, your fire button by itself, it fires, it throws a lasso, it knifes people. Uh, it does way too many things. And until you get that down, it, it can be kind of confusing. It, it just seems like there's too much going on and, and not enough ways to, to press this one button to do it all. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, definitely the, uh, the action button, the shoot button, I guess, is, is what it took me the longest to get used to. I mean... Essentially, 99% of this game is in what I'd say is the background, uh, which is where you're firing your gun, you can see where your gun's going to fire, and you're dodging shots that come to the foreground from the background. So it's almost like a first-person shooter, but but not really. Um, but then on occasion, guys will run across the foreground, and that's where you have to use that knife attack that Jeremy mentioned. So if you hit the Y button, which is the attack button on this game, it will, you know, you hit it normally, it'll do a, a, like a burst shot of your gun. 
you can hold it down and it does a rapid fire of that same gun, which is what you're going to end up doing for 90% of this game, at least when you're me. Um, mm-hmm. If you tap it one time, though, like uh, literally just like the fastest tap, your character will like swing the butt of his gun like a ha- like a hammer and hit, uh, at least if you're the, the one character, Clint, uh, and it'll hit the person in the foreground. So there's a bunch of times where you're in the middle of fighting, you have to pay attention, make sure you saw this guy run in front of you, and then switch to your real quick attack or else he will shoot you real quick and you'll die. You can't shoot him. Even if your reticle's on him as he runs across the screen, it does nothing. You have to make sure you hit him with your melee attack. And the fact that that's just mm-hmm. one quick hit, there's definitely times where I'd like hit the button once and hit it again to make sure I hit it. Well, that's great, because it does It does normally hit the melee button one time. But the other thing that gun button does, as Jerry mentioned, is you can throw a lasso. If you hit the button, uh, kind of like tapping it over and over again, as opposed to holding it down, you will start waving your lasso over your head, and you'll throw it to wherever the radical is. Uh, in theory, this is actually a really cool maneuver, because it <laughs> freezes whatever you're supposed to hit. And I did it by accident a bunch, and... You know, when I didn't die because I was standing there waving my lasso over my head like an ass, I uh, I ended up freezing whatever I was aiming at before, which, you know, freezes them for a, a second or so. It's actually pretty long for this type of game to have something just sit there frozen for a minute. And, uh, you know, so you can shoot it or do whatever you need to. Most of the time it's escape whatever you're trying to kill on the other side of the screen and then go back to it. Uh, I never use that lasso effectively at all. I hope uh, I don't know if you guys did. Uh, I watched a, a very good let's play, and they used it like kings. And I and I realized I've been playing this game all wrong. I, I couldn't stop throwing the fucking thing. I did not want a lasso. Uh, yeah, obviously I just like you said. I just I kept popping up with the thing, throwing it when I, I just wanted to shoot, um, and I just. Throughout the game, I wouldn't say I mastered it at any point. It wasn't until yeah, I did the same thing. I watched the video later on just to kind of see you know if someone else played through it, uh, see if I missed anything. And, and obviously, I missed how to properly use that lasso. And it does seem uh, pretty handy. And in in most games of this nature, that's like something special you pick up, something that gives you the ability to to freeze the enemies on the or freeze an enemy on the screen. So I, it, it's pretty cool. They actually just give you that one to use. Of course, uh, it's just, it's, it's a matter of skill level. It's, it's wasted with me. Yeah. The lasso itself is, is probably the, the biggest thing as far as like getting through that game, because the game mm-hmm. is not easy. Uh, this, especially if you're playing by yourself. So mastering how to use that lasso and win is really key to getting through that game because it will essentially, you can stun lock people over and over again, even bosses mm. um, using it. Like they will, you know, they'll just kind of be stunned there for a few seconds while you wail away on them. And a lot of those, uh, some of the smaller bosses, uh, you know, they kind of just run around all over the place and using that lasso to make them stand still for a couple of seconds is probably is one of the best way, ways for surviving. So, Yes, the lasso is a pain in the ass to to use, but it is your best bet actually beating the game. Mm. Yeah, what I what I end up doing instead most of the time is I would just hold down the fire button and treat it like it's a, you know, a gun game with a controller. Um, and then when people would shoot at me, a lot of the time you'll you'll see uh, little circles show up on your on your section that show where a bullet will land, or the game actually has, says like "look out," like it gives you a little sign, and you know that something's going to hit you. Uh, mm-hmm. You have a a jump button. The B button is jump. However, if you're already holding down the fire button and don't let your finger off the fire button uh, and you tap B with the, you know, in my case, the bottom of my big fat thumb, you will do like a dive motion, which gives you invincibility to you land on the other side. So m- most of this game for me is firing all over the screen like it's a, a regular gun game. 
but then I just dive left and right over and over again and hope to God I'm not diving into another bullet. Uh, so I didn't get uh, very good at this game. I, <laughs> I, I did get far, but uh, I definitely was not using all my moves to the, the, the best I could. You can move around with the D-pad and walk left and right, but if you're firing, you can't. And I could never get down moving left and right efficiently if there's anything going on on the screen other than just diving back and forth. I would like start walking and then I'd, because you, you're not moving where you're firing at that time, I would just dumb fire off into nowhere. It, it was not easy for me to get used to these controls. Uh, that mm-hmm. said, when I did, do, you know, find something that worked for me, which is fire at everything and dive left and right, I mean, I was flying through these levels once I learned them, but I had to kind of memorize everything to know exactly where to stand. Uh, and that's kind of the big, big problem with the game is it's like we said, it's, it's trying to do a little bit too much. And there's so much stuff coming at you that, I, I mean, otherwise, if it didn't do this, it would be the most basic game ever. I mean, it's not the longest game at, at all. Uh, I mean, you beat it in 30 minutes or more if you know what's mm-hmm. going on. And so it, I appreciate that it, it did throw more stuff into just walk, you know scrolling back and forth with the cursor and, and making it a little bit more, I don't know, tactical, I guess. Uh, so you're, you're just not blowing through these things. And there's enough enemies that do di- enough different stuff that it, it kind of validates having all that stuff in there because it's not just there to kind of use whenever. Uh, there are just tons and tons of different enemies throughout this entire game. Every single stage has multiples of just different enemies that you would never see except that one stage. So it's it's all about learning what enemies are going to do, when to use those moves effectively, when to dodge, when to jump. Uh, it's... And what, and like I said, once you do learn it, then that's it. I mean, you've kind of, you kind of know what you can do, and you can just blow through this game. It's just all about getting the controls down. Well, and and thankfully, you know, when it does get too hectic, uh, you do have one more move. You're kind of oh shit maneuver. You have a bomb button. Uh, unlike in in some games where a bomb just flashes once and kills everything on the screen, this is treated more like having your your bomb attack in a traditional side scrolling shooter like a Gradius or whatever, where you get a bomb button and it means you're like you're invincible for. A couple seconds while everything on the screen takes damage and it kind of gives you a reset of the level. Uh, I like those. The bombs in this game are excellent. I wish every game had bombs or as useful as this. You do start with three of them uh, and you get them back by finding them hidden in the stage either by shooting something and exploding it and a bomb will pop up or there are some tougher enemies in some of the levels where you kill them and you'll get a, a score power up or a new gun that you can power up your regular gun with or new bombs. Uh, that said, those are pretty spare. I'd say if you blow through your three bombs in the first section of a, of a level, you're probably going to screw yourself. Uh, but it's it's good to know that you have that as an emergency you know button for, for most of these levels. So the guns you can get is power-ups to, to your gun. Uh, as I just mentioned, you get uh, like a machine gun that is essentially just a more powerful version of your regular gun. It fires a little faster. It seems to do more damage. Um, you also get a grenade launcher, which you know basically puts big giant explosions wherever you land, but it fires extremely slow. However, it kills most things in in two hits or, or three at most. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the, the regular enemies, it'll just group kill area, area effect on things, which is wonderful. Um, a shotgun, which is a, a weaker version of that same attack. 
or the best power-up slash worst power-up in any game we've covered, the pea shooter. Uh, the pea shooter, I, I didn't realize at first would even happen, and, I, and you grab this gun, I was like, oh, cool, a new gun. And it like shoots little plastic balls at people uh, that you mm. cannot get rid of the power-up. You have to use, keep using your power-ups until they're all gone, which most of the time you wouldn't rush to get through them. Uh, but that pea shooter means you're just firing as much as you can at whatever you can to get rid of it as quickly as possible, because otherwise you're not doing any damage to anything. Thank goodness they put that in here because, <laughs> you know, otherwise we'd, we'd have a, a fairly a, almost perfect game in my book. But, yeah, I mean, it's just in there to kind of fuck with you, obviously. But it does suck when you just ask, accidentally pick it up and you're just like, oh, God damn it. Well, guess I'm going to die. So, it's yeah, it, it's just, you know, they threw it in there for fun and it, it just kind of sucks. With a two-player game, I think it would be fun. Like, if you had a two-player game and there would be two power-ups that came up every time and one was good and one was the pea shooter, because, again, you don't have to get it. If you don't shoot it to pick it up, it just floats away or whatever. So but it, you're already a, shooting at everything, so you're probably oh, going yeah. to pick up most of these things. Well, and as a single-player game specifically, you're, you're most of the time you're just constantly shooting because you're jumping or hiding or running from everything. So you're going to shoot whatever you see. You're not going to take the count and go, wait, what kind of gun is that? I really don't know if I want to get this new gun. No, for everything else in the game, you want to get it as quickly as possible because you're also you know, probably dodging a, an explosion or getting ready for something else to come on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with two players, that's the kind of item that I, I like. I don't know. I'm, I like dickish two-player games, so I enjoy something like that. But in this case uh single player it is the first time i got it, i was like well this this may be where i stop playing again because i i finally got to this like like i got through a level i was stuck on and i got a piece on the next level and of course i died <laughs> while i wasn't shooting anything didn't realize what happened until i looked up in a, in a like a guide like oh there's a shitty weapon that's intentionally not useful that's great uh the only other attack you get is there's a power meter at the bottom of the screen that builds up slowly uh, on your character. And if it gets all the way to the top, you get what's the Vulcan Cannon. It is basically a, a one-man killing machine. You're invincible. You can shoot everything as fast as you want. I mean, you're, you're basically just blowing shit apart. It's It basically fires as fast as a machine gun, but does as much damage as the grenade launcher. Uh, it only lasts for maybe 10 seconds, but but especially if you can get that meter to fill when you hit a boss, you're going to mm. destroy that boss. You're going to destroy mm. whatever's on the screen. You're not going to die. It's pretty great, uh, although I have to say, again, I don't have any real way to to control how fast that fills up. I'm sure that if I knew what I was doing, I could make this work out really well because it's not like you get to save it. As soon as it goes full, bam, you're in Vulcan mode. Uh, so every time I got it, I'd say 90% of the time, it was like, I'm fighting two guys I could easily kill, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, Vulcan mode, and you destroy everything, and then I'm like, all right, ah, could have killed those guys with anything else in my inventory. Glad I didn't say that for the next wall of villains that I just came <laughs> up against. That's You can actually time that so that it does, uh, you can fill that up to the point where you have just a little bit right before a boss fight or something, or if you know you're going to fight like something that's a mini boss or, or something like that. And um, if you can get that timing down, uh, because you, you, it, it's not something that just builds up constantly. It is you can actually get uh, pickups that that build it up a little bit faster. So uh, you just kind of have to know to to avoid those things, and you can get to the just get right to the boss right before it, it, it actually fills all the way up and just murder them with that thing. And that's the fastest way to actually get through those bosses because otherwise those bosses take maybe just a, a few more hits than than what they probably should because they can go on for a while unless you you throw that Vulcan cannon out there. I think the bosses aren't too long necessarily, but it's that if you don't keep it contained, it goes out of control quick. So there's a lot of bosses where it's like, if you know exactly what targets to hit, uh, for example, there's a boss like this, well, 
I don't want to say what number level, because you can kind of do some of these levels in any order, which we're going to get to mm-hmm. in a second. But one of the bosses has, like, you know, basically a big target you're firing at, and then these two gun arms. So if you can time it so you're just taking out gun arms left and right, and then firing at the middle when you have some kind of opening, then it, you know, works out fine. But if you ignore that and just start trying to go for the main target, it, it can get hairy quick. So if you yeah. had something like the Vulcan Cannon timed right, you could just blow that up before the other things even show up. Uh, so I, I did pull that off once, and, and totally by mistake. I didn't realize that there were power-ups that helped. I'm assuming that's what those colored rocks were. I thought they were just points, uh, like everything else, because this, this is... You know, it feels fully like an arcade game. Everything you kill gives you points. There's a lot of drops that give you points, and you get extra lives by points. So I just figured it was more point pickups. The game has six stages, most of which are broken up into three phases. Uh, the first level and, and pretty much the next three, unless you go to the hardest level uh, that you can pick next, uh, are, are three levels or three stages in each level. So the first level, you have no choice. You have to go to Carson City, which is just a standard Western-looking city. But that's where, you know, like... Like Jeremy said, on the back of the box, you can see there are giant robots. And that's where the first few first few rounds of enemies in this are, you know, guys with guns that jump out or roll out in the screen, and you got to shoot guys out of windows. Exactly what you'd expect in a Western shooter. But mm-hmm. then, all of a sudden, it starts getting a little weird, like these robot things roll in from the side, these robot gun cannon things. And after so many seconds, which there's a countdown in the middle of the screen there, after so many seconds, you, you know, everything on the screen goes away and you fight a mini-boss. And in this case, it's a giant cowboy robot. It uh, just jumps back and forth. It, it does some pretty basic attacks. But that's that's when you're like, okay, this isn't just a Western. This is some kind of weird, like, Wild Wild West robot generator Western, uh, which is fine with me, especially for a shooter. I like things like that. So, uh, th- you know, it's it's kind of a neat, uh, a neat progression of levels because I feel like even if you're having a rough time, you can get through one phase the first time you get to it if you get there with all your lives. Even if you're not very good, you know, they're short enough, they're each, what, 30, 40 seconds with a, with a mini-boss at the end. I mean, that, that's great mm-hmm. for kind of learning the game, feeling like you made progress. Even if you die over and over again, you're getting far enough each time you really feel like you're making progress through it. Each stage is three sections. So the first okay. stage, again, it was the Western level. Second is inside the saloon. And again, that's very standard, you know, Wild West kind of themes. Uh, you're shooting all the things around the bar. There's like, you can shoot bottles off the... the the bar and you can shoot windows out and things but you have to also make sure all the actual guys like the guys that pop up behind the bar and throw dynamite at you and the guys that roll into the screen that hide behind tables you got to take those guys out too uh, you know again same deal there's a there's a counter at the bottom as you're fighting these guys it counts down to zero and then you have your second boss who is literally just a guy in a suit with a gun who runs back and forth and if you can shoot him over and over again he does nothing other than run and crawl on the ground he's very simple uh, but it does kind of teach you you got to make sure you're paying attention and it it teaches you how to aim really well because if you're not hitting these guys when they stand up, they get a few shots off and you're probably dead. And and I just want to take a second real quick just to gush about just how good this game looks for a Super Nintendo game. I, oh, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, like I said at, at the beginning, like this game kind of hooked me with, with that kind of sci-fi Western aesthetic and it goes all out with it almost mm-hmm. from, you know, as soon as you start playing it and, and man, like everything in this game, all these stages just look great. I mean, it's one it's one of those games back then you kind of wanted to play further just to see what crazy stuff is going to happen because mm-hmm. everything just it's colorful. It, it just it's everything is really detailed. Uh, you can just everything that you see can just almost be destroyed in, yeah. in the level. And there's just so much going on that it's it's just always fun to look at. And especially with the robots and and just the imagination that they use to, to for, for some of these designs and stuff like that. It, it's it's kind of hilarious at times, but it, it's it's so it's so much fun to just watch and, and see what what's going to come next. 
Yeah, and I've got to agree with that 100%. And and one thing, I, we'll probably talk about it as we talk about the stages. I love a damn, just a big fucking boss at the end of a damn stage, you know, taking up a, a good quarter of the screen at least. And, and this game's got it. Uh, it's got some of the best, uh, you know, boss design of Super Nintendo game. Um, and, and they're big. It's, 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 it's what you want from one of these shooting games. It's just a giant sprite boss to try to take down. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a great looking game. Uh, one of the, one of the better on the super Nintendo, I think we've reviewed on here and, and it's complemented by the music. Also, there, there's some fucking hot Western tracks on there. Plenty of fucking whistling, everything you would want, uh, from this type of game. Uh, it just, it's the presentation altogether. Graphics and sound are, are top notch for the super nintendo well the bosses especially are are interesting they're all different they're none of them are just copies of the others like we've we've talked about other games that are kind of action shooty games uh you know such as uh top hunter we covered a few episodes ago mm -hmm. where like all the bosses looked really cool but generally the strategy was the same which was just run yeah. at them and do a lot of damage and regardless of how cool they looked they really weren't weren't any different you know mm -hmm. if you don't just let them do their their specialty attack over and over again they, they're basically all the same this game they're all very different so the mm -hmm. the first level you know at the end of the, after you go through the saloon it's just a giant metal robot that you're on top of the roof and you're fighting this giant robot it's got you know a handful of different attacks that are you know all all use guns or missiles that, that fly down if you see them fire up in the air like you have to really pay attention to what they're doing to know what kind of dodging you have to do while you're firing at them that yeah. said they aren't you know the boss is not long if you're firing at the right thing and you can dodge the attacks, you'll go through a series of three or four of their attacks, and they're out. And that's what the standard, you know, pistol weapon you get from the start of the game, your rifle. It's, I like that. I like that there are interesting bosses. You die in one hit. I guess I didn't say that before, but everything kills you in one hit. So it's real easy to see that boss and die instantly if you're not paying any attention. But once you know what you're looking for for their attacks, you can read their tells. You know, all these bosses are different, but like that one specifically is kind of a good a good lesson for how the boss in this game are going to work. If you pay attention and you watch those, you know, watch for the reticles on the ground, watch and see what they're doing. You can read what to get ready for, but generally, you know, you can dodge all their attacks fairly easily without having to waste your bombs or mm. have a special weapon to do it. However, you can get that Vulcan cannon. Like we said, you'll blow through that guy before you even see one. So I guess that's the goal of every level. <laughs> it's, I mean, the, the bosses generally only have like two or three different attacks that, that you have to, to learn. And I would probably argue that the actual stages themselves are all harder, much harder than the actual bosses. Uh, because once you learn those, those few attacks that the bosses have and how to dodge those, it's not like they, I mean, I think there's maybe one or two bosses in the entire game that change it, change up a little bit as you go through. But most of them just have the same thing over and over and over again. So it's just a matter of learning those attacks, dumping whatever you've got into their, their weak points and, and getting past them. Mm -hmm. Well, and what makes it harder is getting to those bosses often enough to learn them. Uh, each level, because each level is broken into three stages. So each level, you know, you start the level with your three guys if you're starting fresh. If you're really good at the game, you're building up levels. As you, you're building up extra lives as you go through. But let's say you're not good, or this is where you're first starting learning the game. Once you clear a full level, got through all the stages, if you die, you get to continue. There's unlimited continues, which is great. Um, and after you finish that first level, you get to pick any of the next four levels you want in any order. But you you can't, you know, if you continue on those levels, let's say the, you know, 
the the second set of level you pick is the the canyon level, like a desert level. Well, the boss at the end of that is this giant flame tank. It's really cool. It it's not hard once you figure out what to do, but you have to get through that level, get through both stages, get to the boss, keep your lives, keep any of your bombs or anything to get there to learn these these patterns. Otherwise, if you get there on your last life and you die and you continue, mm-hmm. you have to go to the start of that whole set of levels. So, you know, thankfully there are continues, but it's not like it starts you even at the the last piece of the stage you finished. No, you start at the beginning of that whole level. So until you've gotten through all three parts of a level, you know, you got to keep going back to the beginning of that to start and learn it over and over again. That said, again, each of these sections is is 30 seconds to a minute, so it's not like it's a huge ordeal to get back. But if you're having problems getting through a section, you finally breeze through it, you get to a boss, oh no, it's a flame tank, what do I do? Then you die, then you get frustrated. You know, maybe try a different level, see what else you're going to do. But uh, that that's what makes this hard. It's more that you have to get through everything to get to the boss to then sit there and practice to learn his moves. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of why I was like, you know, just getting to the boss is the hard part because dying in one hit is, is no joke in this game because it is very much a shooter. And it's got sometimes just as much stuff coming at you as, as a, a bullet hell shooter would. Mm. And... So it, it is not not easy to get to those bosses to learn them, but thankfully, whenever you do, they're they're not that big of a deal. They they look really cool, but yeah, they're, they're you know they're kind of simple. Well, and all the levels are are similar. None of these levels necessarily change the dynamic of the game. They're all going to be screens you can slightly scroll left and right on while things come at you. Sometimes you're firing at things farther off in the distance or closer, but generally they're all the same. So I don't want to get into too many specifics on each level. Uh, so the, you know, the first one, like I said, you don't have a choice. you got to start in the Carson City. Then you can pick between uh, Desolation Canyon, immuni- the Ammunition Depot, Gold Mine, or the Armored Train, which actually is kind of a slightly different level. But the rest of them, I mean, again, it's it's two stages that are actually you know tough. They're all different backgrounds. One's uh, inside this kind of futuristic ammunition building, the gold mine. I love the first level of the gold mine because you're firing at these guys that are climbing down a mountain to fight you while you're fighting giant blimps and mine carts that come out at you. I, I love mm. that level. Um, but again, they, they're not breaking the mold of what the game does. But the bosses on all of them are great. So there's that flame tank I talked about. Um, there's a flying orb uh, at the ammunition depot that's kind of like it flies around the screen and shoots lasses at you while other guys run out from these platforms behind him and try to shoot you while you're frozen um mm. there's a giant crab in the mine i don't know why but it's pretty badass it's giant it's the, it's the size of the screen it's bigger than the screen really because you're just seeing its face uh that boss is tough but pretty neat too once i learned what to do i was like okay there's like a rhythm to this and i, I blew through that but the train which is the last of the levels you can pick in any order is more than three sections it's actually four or five depending on how you want to count it but you don't actually change scenery you're on a train fighting against another train uh for the entire level so it's like one car is one stage you beat that that car you go to the next car it's one more stage you beat that car go to the next car until you get to the engine which is you know at first you think is the boss because even says boss as you're fighting it once you blow up that train though there's like a jetpack guy he's real tough i think this is kind of one of those checks where it's like if you can't beat this guy you're not going to beat the last level Mm -hmm. And that's my least favorite level in the entire game, actually. It is it is a whole lot of just everything flying around the screen because, I mean, pretty much everything uh, except for the, the stuff that's kind of on the ground, like on the robot horses or whatever, everything else is just flying around. Uh, it is, it's 
definitely got its share of ridiculous people uh, that you fight. There's one kind of mid-boss that he actually hula hoops his lasso uh, and then <laughs> throws it at you. Uh, it's just some of these some of these bosses. It's just like, what were you doing, Natsume? I don't I don't go, I don't know what you were doing, but yeah, the the jetpack guy is he he is actually probably one of the hardest bosses in the entire game, if not the hardest boss. Oh, he's uh, he's got to be the hardest. Uh, this yeah, this was a uh, this was a diff- this is a damn difficult game. But I was doing okay for myself. Up this is this was the wall for me. This is where I hit the fucking wall. And and frustration set in. I think I spent more time on this jetpack guy than I did anywhere else in the game. Well, this is where I decided to go look at a let's play to see like what am I doing wrong, <laughs> and that's where I was like, oh, the lasso, because that's really mm-hmm. the key here. He had just had that guy locked down, and he would shoot things around him, and then go back and shoot him a few times and freeze him again when he could. It was just like that's the timing on this is incredible. I am not that good, but that's where I realized yeah. I've been playing this kind of wrong. And this is what happens when you don't learn how to play this game properly is you get to an actual tough fight and it, uh, it punches you right in the mouth. And that's the thing with that lasso, even with him, he's moving around so much that it, it can be really hard to hit him with that lasso. So it's, I mean, you can get really good at that lasso and, and even there at that fight, it can be super annoying just because you're throwing it and he's just flying around all over the fucking stage. But if you get through all those levels, so you've gotten through the first level, the other four, you're at level six, the last level in the game, uh, which is uh, actually kind of closer to how the first few levels were set up, where it's just a series of, of, at first I was going to be a bunch of boss fights, because the first level is two of those giant robot cowboys. But mm-hmm. after that, they actually are regular levels again. Very difficult at levels, but but definitely doable. If you can beat that uh, that rocket pack guy, you've kind of you've kind of got the hardest thing out of your way. Um you know, it's, as long as you've gotten down how to dodge things properly, how to use your lasso in any way on some of these, uh, but more importantly, just are, are good at aiming that reticle. Uh, you should have no problem getting to the last fight, uh, which is actually kind of interesting because it's another just a guy with a gun. So at first I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those games where the last guy is, you know, you poke him with a stick and he falls over or whatever. But no, he, he actually, for the first fight in the game that really matters, he can run onto the foreground while you're fighting him, they'll do whatever, and he runs to the foreground, and you have to use your melee attack to knock him back, or else you can't hurt him. Meanwhile, everything, you know, he has two turrets that are firing at you, there's all these other guns coming at you from places. Uh, a lot going on, but definitely a neat fight. Hey, you have to remember to use your melee. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but mm. still, not not nearly as difficult to keep track of as the rocket pack guy. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but, like, you know, we, we spoke about co-op play. And this is kind of one of those games that almost seems like it's been designed and, and the difficulty's been balanced around it being a two-player game of having two players on the screen. Because it doesn't seem like the difficulty changes by having just one person or having two people. It's just like this is one. This is how everything's going to act regardless of if there's one person playing or if there's two people playing. Mm. So having a, that second player... Uh, you know, back in the day when I played this with my cousin, this was a much easier game to get through because it's like having double the firepower. And if you know what you're doing, then each person could take out, you know, it, it's not that it, it's it's definitely challenging, but it's not that hard. But like playing it for this and playing it by myself, even though I knew what was coming, it was way more challenging just to, to do this by myself than what I remembered it being back in the day. So it it is. It, yes, with with this last boss, there it, it's just stuff coming all over the place, and you've got to, you know, he does come into the foreground, he's hitting you. But if you had two players there, it, it's almost nothing. It, it's just one of those things that it changes dramatically if you if you're playing by yourself or with someone someone else. Well, like like we said at the beginning, I think this with two players, 
this would have been one of those go-tos. This would have been a, oh, I've got a friend over for the evening and we're going to hang out and you know eat pizza and play this game a couple times like Contra was. I mean, this this is great for that. It feels mm. and it feels very much like Contra. In fact, um, there's a game on the Wii I have that I really haven't put any time into, Sin and Punishment 2. Uh, and that's that's basically exactly like this game, but but I thought it was more of a Contra ripoff, but really it's just this ripoff, but entirely sci-fi. Uh, I've got to definitely give that another try. But that's, you know, this is a perfect pick up with a friend and and pound through it in half an hour and feel good about yourself game. I I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot bad to say is other than, than it took me a little bit to get used to the controls, but that's just because it's different, not because it's bad. I think once I learned everything, I don't know how else to have done it better aside from having maybe a separate button for the lasso. And that's really it for me. I mean, that's I, I love this game. Obviously, this is one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. Uh, there's not really much wrong that I can really sit here and complain about. But if there was one thing, I, it would just be like, give me another button. Put put one of those. Put the lasso on another button. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that alone would would make things a lot lot easier for this game. And uh, because it it is the hardest thing to kind of get the to get the hang of and and use correctly. But besides that, I mean, this is this is a hell of a game. I, I absolutely love it. It was one of those games that came out late in the Super Nintendo lifespan, lifespan and it it didn't have a big audience, but it, it did have a very dedicated audience to it, and just people that that spoke nothing nothing but good things about it over the years. And uh, thankfully, we actually got a, a a sort of a remake for it on current gen consoles now. Yeah, and um, I I have to echo. Uh, pretty much identical sentiments. This was a most pleasant surprise. Uh, yeah, I'm thrilled with this one. This is a, a right up there in my list of, of you know top Super Nintendo games. And oh man, I wish I would have known about this one at the time because my cousin and I got together, and this would have been something. This would have been right up our alley playing two players on this one. Um, but yeah, I have, uh, if I wanted to nitpick, um, which is what I'm going to have to do because I don't have any glaring problems with this game, uh, it, I'm going to say the same thing. I, I think they could have taken a bit more of advantage of the number of buttons on the Super Nintendo controller. Uh, yeah, I mean, the least I think they could have done was just put that lasso on another button uh, just, to, just to simplify that a little bit. Uh, but it obviously isn't a big deal. Um, yeah, this was a near perfect Super Nintendo game, and it adds to it that it's something you can just kind of sit down and and cry if you're if you know you're familiar enough with it, you can just play through in half an hour and forty or forty five minutes. And and I could probably see myself going back to do that again. Now I do have a question. There are two characters to pick from. Uh, it's, I, I only played through uh, with one of them. Is is the style any different between the two? No, Clint and Annie, who are the two characters you can pick from, one's a male, one's a female, uh, they, they basically play the same. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. there's any difference. I mean, maybe Jeremy's played it enough to say, oh, yeah, yeah, they one is slightly faster running and one jumps higher. I don't think so. I think they're basically the same. Okay. Oh, no, you're not wrong. So, yeah, like Jeremy said, there was a remake that came out in 2016 for the PS4 and it just recently this year for the Switch. Uh, it's called Wild Guns Reloaded. It's basically the same game. Uh, better graphics, obviously, or else they would have just released Wild Guns on the virtual console. Um, but it has two extra characters, uh, Bullet and Doris. They play differently than the standard two in this game. Uh, it also supports four-player co-op, uh, which sounds like it would be absolute chaos, but also one of the best times ever. Uh, but it's neat that the new characters added 
don't play the same as the characters mm-hmm. that originally were on here, which is pretty neat. So uh, I definitely would, would like to check it out. I don't have it on PS4. Uh, but again, without the extra people to play it, do I need an upgraded version of a game that I already you know, now consider to be great on the Super Nintendo? And if the only difference is some new characters by myself, no, I'm going to probably just stick with this. But it's nice that if you don't have access to a Super Nintendo and don't want to hunt this one down, uh, you can easily find it on modern systems uh, and basically get the same experience. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a really nice little kind of remake of it. Uh, it it does do a, a little bit more than just basically porting the old Super Nintendo game. And, and the biggest thing it actually does is the game is no longer in just the old four by three TV mode. They have actually um, instead of just stretching the image out, they have allowed more of that stage to be seen on screen. Oh. So it 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 just makes it that much. Uh, I mean, at the same time, it kind of makes it harder. Uh, but it does make that four-player option much easier to deal with because there is much more area on the screen. It's it's actually almost the entire stage on the screen now instead of just having to scroll back and forth. So there's there's less scrolling back and forth. So there you, you've got more space to work with, which was kind of the the kind of one of the bad points with the on the Super Nintendo of, of playing two players because it could get cramped and chaotic. So it's a little bit easier to play, but at the same time, it's still a very hard game just playing it by yourself. Those are our thoughts on Wild Guns. All of us recommend it. Uh, weirdly wish it was on the uh, SNES Classic, actually. It sounds like it would be a perfect game for that. But it turns out you can add it yourself. And a friend of mine who might be me has already done so. Uh, <laughs> so since, uh, I don't know if it was right before we recorded last or right after. But, you know, I, I've made it no secret that I'm a huge Intellivision fan. And there was a big announcement that uh, Intellivision Entertainment, uh, which is the new owners of the Intellivision uh, I guess platform uh, is putting out a brand new system. Uh, it's called the Intellivision Amico, and it sounds like this system will do everything. I don't know if you guys, uh, well, we talked about it, so I know you guys both know about it, but uh, how would you explain what they're saying the Intellivision Amico is? <laughs> I don't, man. I watched that that little thing that they had it's to kind of like announce the whole thing. And I, I got to say, I absolutely love, absolutely love Tommy Tallarico. Uh, that guy is, it's very obvious that he's passionate about the video game industry and, and what he's putting out with the Amico. And, uh, but as he's going along with this thing, you know, I, I, I was almost expecting something like, I don't know if you heard like of the, the retro VGS or even like the Atari VCS, you know, something like that of just bringing these old consoles uh, back out and, and doing bring the old games along with it and maybe doing some remasters or something like that with what you could really do with an Intellivision game. But they, they're actually putting out a, a new console and they threw out names like PS4 alongside of it on, on some, some of that stuff, you know, like they're positioning this as something that's off to the, you know, not directly competing with it, but as something that's just kind of off to the side for that. We, cr- that we crowd, 
that was so big like 10 years ago. Uh, uh, family was used a lot in this announcement. Um, mothers in their 40s was used a lot in this announcement. And it turns out that's kind of what they have made again. Like they have decided that that nebulous we audience that was out there that made that system fly off the shelves is still out there and never moved on. And they want a Wii too. And that's exactly what the Amico is. What a fucking pile of shit. This thing. (laughs) 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 Who said as big a Nintendo man as I am and, and, and I do recognize I said some things about the switch and I was more than happy to eat that crow. I have a feeling I will not have the first fucking morsel of crow when I say this is going to be a damn flop and a half. Um, that crowd, that crowd's not out there anymore. I just, that crowd has moved on to fucking mobile games and and that's it. That crowd, I don't think you're going to get those 40 year old mothers. You're not going to recapture that. Uh, you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's trying to catch, catch the casual market, but, but that market wasn't like the Wii market wasn't truly grandparents playing video games with their grandkids. It was, these games are simple enough and cheap enough uh, at that point that you buy this for your grandkids. They come over, you can play Wii sports with them and do bowling and talk about how great Mm -hmm. it is. And then they'll play Mario brothers and you'll walk out of the room. I mean, that, Mm -hmm. that's what the Wii market was. Um, I mean, I love the Wii. It has a lot of great games on it, but it oh, sold yeah. so well because it was, hey, it has Mario, and also it has this stuff that everyone can try. Isn't this neat? It's got motion controls, and this is all, you know, not really new, but everyone thought it was new. Like, it was just sold as this back-to-the-fun Nintendo family system targeting people who conveniently were just old enough who had kids who had grew up having the Nintendo. So it was a perfect timed announcement. This thing, I mean, the people that remember the Intellivision are 40 and you know, have older kids or are going to be grandparents sooner than mm-hmm. later. And, you know, trying to repackage this thing as a, as a new system to, to try to, you know, all these new systems are too confusing or games are, are you know, too mature themed or uh, all this crazy 3D. That was the other thing is they're, they're pushing a lot of 2D uh, only. In fact, I think it had no 3D capability or no 3D games will be made for it. Uh, but but it's going to have PS4 quality 2D. I, I don't know what they're aiming at. But then the games they are trying to put out are remasters and remakes of their original properties, along with whatever else people put out. I I don't know. I don't. I want this to do well because I love the Intellivision and I like the fact that it still uses their awkward control, but then modern you know modernized it. So instead of having these inserts, you slide in over a bunch of push buttons. It's going to be a touch screen and a motion disc. I think that's a cool controller, but. Oh man, I don't. I, I'm gonna have to see. I mean, I can't even say I'm definitely gonna get one. I I want it to do well, and I want to get one. But if it comes out and is essentially just here's some, you know, graphics layered over these old Intellivision games, and you know, a bunch of freeware stuff I could get on PC, I don't know if it's if it's something I'm even gonna try. Yeah, I mean, I I don't wish, you know, ill. I I think any successful other console put out is is only good you know, in, in general for, for people that play games. But I the Wii, when you look back, it wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things it, it came out, but so much has changed. I, I feel like the whole landscape has changed in general. I, I don't think, 
I mean, I, I hate to say that I think any parents, you know, that, that would have uh, thought that a, a game looked fun to play for, like I said, they're, they're playing like my parents are playing some fucking match three on the phone all the time. Now. Uh, I think that crowd's moved on. I don't think people are looking for family games so much anymore. I, I mean, I know less and less households that are kind of restricting, you know, what their kids, I mean, they're not letting them play some of the, the heavier stuff, you know, like uh, your Grand Theft Autos, your Red Deads, and, and whatnot. But I, I just think, I don't know. It's it's a much different environment for video games, and there's much different types of games out now. I, I just don't think this thing has a place in the world. I think these guys, years ago when the Wii came out, they went in a cave to work on this, and, and they spent too long. And, and when they came out, the time had just passed them by. Now they have something that is so out of time and out of place that I don't think has a, a legitimate market at all. Um, and I don't know. I think I'll be one of the people that, that adopts the system once it's you know down to like $50 probably within a year. I will say that I'm, I'm morbidly curious about what they got going. <laughs> I is one of those you, you don't get these kind of weird consoles announcements anymore. I mean, like like I mentioned, you've got the the Atari VCS, and that's apparently going to happen at some point. Uh, but that is a, again like focusing very much on the retro gamer. That's focusing mm-hmm. on us. It's not really trying to do much anything new as far as we know, mm-hmm. as far as they've announced. It's just trying to be a, a retro grab, retro cash grab. Yeah. And for this, though, it's it's really going all out there to try to capture another a different kind of market. I mean, it's got kind of the retro stuff on there as far as the the remade in television games and stuff. But it's uh, if anyone doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, please go look up Amico, look up their announcement video or just some bullet points of what they had for this, because it is an amazing fever dream of just what someone who seems completely out of touch would want a family console to be these days. I mean, it is, it's really something. And, uh, but at the same time, I want this to come out. I want it. I, hell, I kind of want to buy it because it just seems like something that just shouldn't happen at all. It, it's, it's just so out there. And, and the idea of it just doesn't seem like it should exist today or that anyone should be trying it. But God damn it. If, if Tommy Tallarico isn't the most excited person on earth for this console. And I, I, that that's kind of what drives me to want it. <laughs> Did they have a what's the what's the price point on this thing? It it said it's under two, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it's one eighty for the system. But then they said games would be like five to seven dollars. Again, th- there's a lot uh, about this model that I think <laughs> it could be interesting. I mean, honestly, I love my Intellivision. If they just put out a hundred eighty dollar box that I could download updated versions of Intel- of Intellivision games for five dollars a pop. But it had all like had a great version of Burger Time and some other games on there. I mm. I would probably still buy it because that's the I mean that would hit specifically me. Now I don't think I'm a market. I think that's a bad business model. But that would sell to me alone. Uh, so I I do want that to do well. But you know something else that's more or less you know new retro news, but is a lot less ambitious and is definitely much more of a cash grab. Yet will be f- remarkably more successful is the PlayStation Classic. Uh, it's been rumored for a long time. They they did announce it earlier this year, but didn't really give a full game list. Full game list hit right after we recorded last time, so we didn't get to talk about it. Um, if for some reason, and I can't believe anyone would be listening to this that hasn't heard the full game list for the PlayStation Classic, I'm going to humor you and list it now. So it comes with Battle Arena Toshinden. 
a game that I remember when it first came out, and as soon as there was any other fighting game, you realized how bad Battle Arena Toshinden was. Uh, cool Borders 2, Destruction Derby. They already mentioned Final Fantasy VII, which on itself will probably sell these systems for a lot of people. The original Grand Theft Auto, not Grand Theft Auto 3D, or the third Grand Theft Auto, the top-down arcade Grand Theft Auto that I promise you nobody thinks is the game they're offering. Intelligent Cube, a puzzler that I'm the only person I know that is excited about. Jumping Flash we covered uh, several hundred episodes ago. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, Oddworld, which has been available for every console since it came out, but still an excellent game. The original Rayman, Resident Evil Director's Cut we covered last Halloween. Uh, Revelations Persona, the first Persona game. I've actually never played this, so I'm excited to try it on this uh, this system. Ridge Racer 4, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, which, if you have not played it, is one of the best two-player co- or c- competitive puzzle games ever. Siphon Filter, Tekken 3, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, which inexplicably is on this thing, uh, mm. Twisted Metal, and Wild Arms. So there, there's... There are some definite games on there that I'm excited about. There's a, a bunch of head scratchers. There are some that I assumed would be there that, uh, you know, I, I mean, Destruction Derby and Twisted Metal, for example. Not surprised. Don't care that they're on there. I'm not. I'm not enthused. I, I'm not impressed. I think. I don't know. I think we're entering the territory now where I actively own on modern day consoles these games or remakes of them or superior sequels to them. Um, and, and I just remember, I know battle arena Toshin and I know how fucking bad that game is now. I know how near impossible it is to play that. Um, yeah. Destruction Derby is a hit with me. Um, I am, that, that's probably the one I'm most excited about. Cause I played the hell out of that. I'm glad it's the damn, it's the first and not the second. I mean, final fantasy seven, how I bought that game so many times. Um, and the first GTA is great. Metal Gear I have on the PS3. I mean, Odd World I have on a few consoles. Resident Evil, Rayman. I, I just, I think it's to the point to where with the Super Nintendo is a matter of, oh, this is awesome because either I don't have these games readily available to play now without having to, to kind of dig out the, you know the Super Nintendo and, and hook it all up so to have it all there uh, but it's just to the point now to where this doesn't quite have that convenience for me um, that the Super Nintendo did chances are I can turn on a system I already have plugged in um, and play one of these and I will never forgive them for putting that fucking first twisted metal on instead of the the, the real classic of the series which is the second one and that, that's kind of my big complaint with it. I mean, it's got some cool stuff on there, like the original Persona. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you compare it to something like the Super NES Classic, and that has a hell of a library on there. I mean, that yeah. covers just about, uh, uh, not every, but a good majority of just about everyone's favorite big Super NES game that was on that system. Mm. And then, you know, that's kind of one reason I bought it. I was like, oh, man, this is just a ton of um, amazing games. Mm-hmm. But the PlayStation Classic... Twisted Metal 1? I mean, really? Like, that game is pretty awful, besides, like, the full motion video stuff that's in there, which is so awful that it's actually good. But that's really the only reason you'd play it, besides nostalgia. Battle Arena Toshinden. I I remember being in a Circuit City with my mouth, like, just agape looking at that game. Like, nothing on a console has ever looked this good. 
and at the time, yes, it did look <laughs> amazing. Mm-hmm. But like Jeremy said, it's it's not a a good game. I mean, it looks good. It doesn't anymore. But that's kind of the thing with a lot of these these PlayStation games. They just have not aged well like yeah. those original NES and Super NES classics have. They're timeless. So whereas you're going back and you get the PlayStation Classic, you sit down and you pull up Rainbow Six. Like mm-hmm. that's I mean, I, it must have been popular because it's on here. I don't know why it would wouldn't be, but I never played it. I mean, s- Siphon Filter. I mean, these games look terrible now. If you've seen uh, you any, know, it, and and the problem is, I think they've really backed themselves. Uh, they're trying to serve their other interests with these remakes coming out. I mean, it means you don't get Crash, which I'm not a big Crash fan, but it obviously has its place. You don't get Spyro because I guess that you know that remake is coming. Uh, you don't get fucking Symphony of the Night. You don't um, get Medi- Medieval. I mean, yeah. That- I mean, because, all these games. Yeah, because that, they, you know, they are pushing the the remake. Well, I mean, which I understand. Um, and I would, you know, I'm, I'm obviously interested in most of those. But it, it's still, it's obvious that they kind of had, they scratched their head for a little bit and they just kind of threw in uh, what they what they needed to. And, and, and I've, you know, I've read where there's, there's licensing issues, there's issues with uh, the soundtracks for some of the games like Tony Hawk, uh, which, which just made it kind of impossible to put that game on there. Um, yeah, there's just, there's a good lineup, and it, I'm not saying this is a bad lineup and, and it's, it's not good for anybody. It's just not, it doesn't work for me. Um, it's like I just said a little bit ago, it was the convenience of, it's not just how great the lineup was, but just the convenience of that, that SNES classic. Um, and I just don't get it with this. Um, I've got a lot of these games on the, the, the PS3. Um, and like I said, I bought a lot of remakes since then also. Um, but if you're itching to play these and you, you haven't bought your fucking seventh version of final fantasy seven, like me, uh, it's it's a good price for the games on here, uh, but I, I just I'm not too impressed with this lineup. There's a few hits on there, uh, Jumping Flash, but um, nah, I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be hunting this one down like I have been the the classic systems that Nintendo put out. I don't know if we'll need to. I mean, I'm sure they're gonna make a bunch of these. Sony normally mm-hmm. doesn't shy away from flooding the market with things on like Nintendo. Yeah. He's always like, Oh, we made four copies of this game, hope we can find one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I expect we're gonna see these everywhere. And despite that I'm not that excited about most of these games, um, there's enough on here that if I found one in a store, I'd probably pick it up. I'm also mm-hmm. a sucker for tiny versions of systems I already own. Yeah, if anything gets me, that's gonna be it. Um, also, it does come with two controllers, which is nice. It's, it's 100 bucks. For some reason, that price point bothers me. I know the Super Nintendo Classic was 80 bucks, and somehow that doesn't bother me one bit, but 100 I was like, ah, it's too much. Why would you put it at $100? Uh, I, I, th- I don't know. I just don't know why they didn't spend this time instead to make a, a valid PS4 emulator so they could sell these again to me on PS4, because I'd buy half of these again. Uh, I mean, mm. if they put Intelligent Cube on PS4 for $6, I would have bought it. You know, uh, there's a bunch of these I would have bought, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anyway, 
in honor of the PlayStation Classic coming out, uh, I did want to, you know, we, we thought we wanted to review one of these games that we haven't already covered. Like I said, we've already done Jumping Flash and Resident Evil Director's Cut. Uh, so we're going to look at Rainbow Six. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to look at Rainbow Six. <laughs> we're going to cover Metal Gear Solid Ooh, uh, next episode. I was about episode. to start typing out my resignation. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that to anybody. So uh, to be fair, I haven't played Rainbow Six. Perhaps the original PlayStation Rainbow Six is amazing. Uh, but I have played the original Metal Gear Solid, and it is a classic, regardless of every other game on this collection. So we're going to look at that. I remember it being a classic. Let me take that back. I have not played it in about 15 years, so we'll see how it holds up. Uh, but before we end our episode, I believe we have a listener question. Yes, we actually do have a listener question. This was uh, mailed in to us via our brand new contact form on Retrovania.net. I, I, it makes me laugh, fucking just hyping up a contact form that's on our website at the bottom of retrovania.net uh, just fill that out send us a question we will likely read it on here as long as it makes sense all right so this is from mason prophet and uh he wants to say uh there are a billion rom hacks out there and most of them just turn mario into a giant penis have you played any that could stand alone as a great game for wrong for a rom hack that simply improves the existing game play castlevania 2 simon's quest redaction it mostly just changes text eliminating all the false info and vague hints actually names towns you go to and basically makes it so you can play the game without a goddamn walkthrough for a complete game change, try Peach and Daisy, The Ultimate Quest. It's a Mario 3 hack that changes the entire game, and it is punishingly difficult, but well-made. So do you guys have any favorite ROM hacks that you played out there? You know, I, I was uh, I was sweating it out when this question first came up. I couldn't think of any. Um, I have one in particular, though, uh, that I recall. I, I, I had to look up the name of it. Um, but it was for the suit. It was for the suit. It was a Super Nintendo. It was a hack of uh, Super Mario Kart, and Mario Kart has long been my jam, and and I absolutely adore uh, the Super Nintendo version of it. Uh, it's still, I, I think, one of the most solid karts. And there was a there was several years back. Uh, it was Mario Kart R, and it didn't make any huge waves there were there were hacks that would just ramp up the difficulty um and, and i just never liked those and ones that would just speed it up to to an unnatural sense but this is the first one that i played uh, that really just kind of tooled around with things and kind of made it its own game without really changing the the gameplay um it, it reworked most of the tracks uh some were slight changes uh some were a matter of just making a a day track into a, a night a nighttime track uh but it, it added some new tracks also uh that i really enjoyed and it's uh there were no new items from what i can recall uh but it did take toad out of the game which isn't a loss whatsoever and replaced him with kirby uh but but if I recall, Kirby was white, so it looked like Boo anyway throughout the game. Um, but yeah, I remember just loving that one uh, because I got to the point where I had played uh, that original Super Nintendo Mario Kart to death. So this was something pleasant uh, that, that didn't switch up the, the gameplay that I loved so much. But it gave me uh, pretty much a completely different game with the, the variety of new tracks. Um, otherwise, I've just... <sighs> 
I'm not too well versed in in ROM hacks uh, aside from that one and aside ones that just do little you know graphical changes on the characters and and things like that. But I, I, I certainly find that to be interesting what people can come up with. Um, I do remember playing. I don't think this counts because the, these were just complete games on their own right. Was that that uh, Nintendo that crossover one uh, where you played various. Uh, NES game stages, and you could pick from a variety of, of NES characters. Like you could have Link going through a Mario stage. I think Samus going through a, a Legend of Zelda stage, and 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 I thought that was an interesting one too. Um, but yeah, I would have to say that Super Mario Kart R is is one that I would actually uh, big fans of that game. If you if you want more of it, if you want to change it up a little bit with a new character and some different stages, I would definitely recommend that one. Uh, well, my my first experience with ROM hacks was probably the first experience that a lot of people had with with ROM hacks, and that's you know back when you first got into emulators on PCs and you're downloading a giant folder of ROMs <laughs> or, or zip file, and you've got you know yes. Mario 420, and you start the game and he's smoking like a blunt that's four foot long or something like that, to where they've just basically changed a few things, the graphics and and made it whatever mm-hmm. um, but there i i've seen a few things here and there that are actually kind of cool like um ultimate mortal Kombat actually only came out uh, on the next uh, like playstation and saturn but someone actually uh, did a retrofit of that through a rom mm-hmm. hack back on the mm-hmm. genesis and it's a legitimately decent playable version of ultimate mortal Kombat. something that wouldn't have been possible if you'd got on the genesis because there's just it's using way 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 more uh, oh, yeah. memory than than what would have been possible on a genesis card to get all those characters in there mm-hmm. you know they put all the, the stages as well and it, it plays what you would think you know it's not ever going to be as good as as those original games on playstation and saturn but mm-hmm. the fact that they did that and made a really decent fighting game that there's no way you would have ever been able to play on the Genesis besides yeah. this rock. I, I think that's kind of neat. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I, and, and to, to speak to that, yeah, I think that is one of the most interesting uh, what, things that can be done is taking games and, and sending them back a generation or two. And it's never the fully featured game, but it's, it's, it's interesting. They can squeeze that in there at one game that, I would never play for fun, but I just thought was was interesting. They were able to pull it off, and it was half decent. I, it's like what you're talking about with Mortal Kombat, but they put Street Fighter II on the NES. Um, it, it didn't have the full lineup of characters, but what they did have actually played pretty good. And, and like I said, it's not something that I would, would take a huge interest in other than just to play it once. But I, I, I think like you, I can appreciate the effort on something like that. And and before we we end this question, I just want to uh, thank Mason. He's he's been a longtime friend of ours, longtime listener. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to uh, check out his business, uh, it is Prime Arcade on Facebook. He is uh, he's one of those guys that goes around and buys old arcade games that everyone has just lay in waste and let rot, and restores them to their former beauty. Uh, old '80s arcade games, '90s arcade games, pinball machines, everything. Uh, he's really good at it. And if you're in the Texas area and you want uh, it, to look at through what he's got, uh, by all means, ask him if he has Miss Pac-Man. Uh, <laughs> look up uh, Prime Arcade. That is just at Prime Arcade on Facebook, and you'll find him. And it's I, I can't recommend it enough. He is he's a he's a really great guy, and I can guarantee you that he probably has Miss Pac-Man. 
Well, next episode, we will not be discussing Miss Pac-Man. Unfortunately, we'll be talking about the original Metal Gear Solid for PlayStation in honor of the new PlayStation Classic, which will be out pretty much right after that episode posts. So until then, please don't forget to find us and our new fillable question form on Retrovania.net, where you can also get links to our Instagram, Facebook, and everything else Retrovania. And we will see you next time. anyone takes as much pride in their 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 question form no that's we've got the best question form on the internet i promise it is, that. we do it's great